0: This is a Woodside Church podcast. Hello, it's good to be with you today. I feel God's put on my heart a word in James and chapter 1. Let me read the verse to you James chapter 1 and verse 12. Blessed is a man who perseveres under trial. For once he's been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. James is an unusual book. It starts straight away by uh, launching into the factor of trials and challenges and difficulties, which I felt are so appropriate for the days we're living in. And he says straight away, consider it all joy, my brothers, when you encounter. Various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance, and let endurance have its perfect result, so that you may be perfect, complete, lacking nothing. What James wants us to see is that trials are not random for the believer, that we can become believers so simply. It can happen in a moment. I know for myself, very first time I ever heard the gospel, I didn't know there was a gospel. That night, I knelt in my own home and received Christ. I I became a Christian. Uh, In my teen years, it's lasted. It stood the test of time. It happened in a moment. The man on the cross next to Jesus cried out, Lord, remember me, and was given assurance from Jesus. So to become a Christian can take a moment. It's an extraordinary miracle. But to become a mature believer, and the Bible says this, God is bringing many sons to glory. It's almost like he's got the image of one son in Jesus, and he's wanting to reproduce sonship in us, which, to be honest, takes longer. And what James wants us to understand is that these trials that come our way are part of that process. And so he's saying, look, count it joy when you hit these trials. Now, that's not a straightforward thing, but we can count it joy if we know what this passage says, knowing that God's at work, knowing that God's doing something. So let's come back uh, to the verse. It says here, it's a blessed experience. Now, we might think of many Bible heroes and they, they went through trials and yet sometimes it began so easy, it seems. We first meet with young David as a teenager and he kind of takes out Goliath. You think, wow, where did he come from? Just a lad, and uh, he's taken on by Saul. Saul says, "I want you to become one of my captains." He's in the palace. He's he, he's a, a prominent man. The girls are singing. Saul has slain his thousands. David has slain his ten thousand. You think, "Wow, he's doing well. He's on the way." Uh, you think of young Joseph, and Joseph has a dream as a young lad a vision of his brothers bowing down to him, of having government in the in the future. I think, wow, this looks good. But you follow their stories. It's not all plain sailing for David. The Saul who wanted him uh, to be his captain turns against him, throws spears at him, hunts him down. He has to run for it. He's living in a cave. We think of Joseph. who, Yeah, his his. Brothers turn against him. Although his father loves him and favors him, hey, it all goes sour. Has to run away. Well, at least he's sold down to Egypt. He's there, he's lied about, and he's in prison. I mean, this is terrible. You think, well, I thought these guys had a future. Well, actually, they do. They have a very significant future. But they're being put through some trials on the way. So, to come back to our verse, you're blessed. Blessed are the ones who persevere under trial. Now, that word blessed is not a word that we necessarily use often. And uh, in the Bible, it might remind you of the Beatitudes where we're familiar with the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus said, Blessed are the meek, blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, and so on. And some modern translations have translated it happy, this greek word makarios so it does mean happy but it means more than happy it has the sense of favored blessed it means actually god's blessing is involved probably a verse that sheds light on it is in luke Luke 10:23, when jesus says many have longed to hear the things that you hear and see the things that you see but they've never heard them, never seen them. Blessed are you, for you see them, you hear them. It's like you've received favor. And that's what uh, James is saying here. So you're blessed. From God's point of view, you're being blessed. And we need to understand it that way. Now, having said that, that doesn't leave us passive. It's important that we respond well. And if you turn back a page to Hebrews in chapter 12, you'll find almost a whole chapter on handling these kind of things. So it says, we must have right attitudes. It says, first of all, don't shake it off. Don't regard lightly. Don't say, oh, hallelujah, anyway, and kind of ignore what's happening. And then, as an alternative, it says, and don't faint. You know, you can, you can think, oh, what's the point? You can throw in the towel. I mean, I never expected this. I thought I'm a Christian now. I thought life would be easy. And it's not. It's got harder. I, I give up. I, I, I faint. He said, no, don't. Don't faint. So these are two opposites. Don't shrug it off. Don't go down. And then it says another one, and don't grow bitter. That's another way we can respond. Think, ah, oh, what's the point? and get weary it says beware that a root of bitterness doesn't spring up causing trouble bitterness is a horrible thing i've been pastoral ministry long enough to know you can ask some people you know how are you getting on and you kind of wish you never asked because all this bitterness comes out of roots people have lived with bitterness it's a very horrid thing and Paul is saying, or at least the writer to the Hebrews is saying, don't let any bitterness grow up, but see to it that you don't come short of the grace of God. Now, there's a real key here. God wants us to receive grace. So when you're talking about endurance, we're not talking about Stoicism. Now, in uh, Bible days, Stoicism was a very popular philosophy. The Stoics really felt that we should be uh, self-sufficient you don't really acknowledge problems it's a bit like the old british stiff upper lip it's like you know we don't we don't see any problems what problem and uh, you know just keep going uh, just press through you've got you can do it that was the kind of philosophy now that is not christianity Christianity doesn't say just press through, just grit your teeth, just endure. That's not what it's saying. It says we have to obtain grace, and that's the wonder of it. Now, if we don't obtain grace, we might grow bitter. And actually, this uh, uh, Hebrews 12, is, it's almost like the language of a gymnasium. And, and it says, make straight paths for the, your feet so that the limb which is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. It's almost like your trainer can see a weakness in your frame and says, I need to work on this. You, say, but you must obtain grace because this thing which is out of joint might be... This thing which is uh, needy, which is lame, don't let it get put out of joint. The pressure can make it worse. It's already a bit lame. I'm going to put you through some gymnastics. Now take it carefully, otherwise it can make it worse. Now, we don't want that. Not to be put out of joint, but to be made whole. God wants us to respond well. And we do that by obtaining grace, all right? So we don't just press through. It's interesting to see, for instance, Paul. He had a thorn in the flesh. He had a trial. He he saw it as a messenger of Satan. And he said, I don't, he didn't say, look, I just press through. I just ignore it, What? I don't know what you're talking about, what thorn. No, no, he, he says three times. He said to God, please take this away. So we're not just gritting our teeth. Please take it away. That's Paul. And when it says three times, I don't think he just a casual prayer that he mentioned it. Probably he he really had three seasons of prayer, maybe with fasting. Three times I sought the Lord. And, and he said, And then God spoke to him. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. And so the thorn was still there, but Paul had such a word from God. In my Bible, I I underline this phrase, he said to me. It's one thing, no this Bible verse. But when you know he said to you, my grace is sufficient for you. He said it to you like when daniel in the old testament said he spoke to me and i was strengthened my grace is sufficient and so paul says well so i'll glory in this difficulty i'll celebrate it because i know god's grace is enough for me and so we are blessed because god is showing us grace he's there for us he's working in our lives it's interesting paul even says in colossians and chapter 1, I, I'm praying for you. And one of Paul's famous prayers, uh, and in verse 10, he says, uh, I, I'm praying that you'll be strengthened. He uses power words, right? You'll be strengthened with power according to his glorious might. You think, wow, what's he praying for? This sounds like he's going to do some amazing, gigantic thing. I'm, that you'll be strengthened with power by his might, for what? For what? Well, for the attaining of steadfastness with joyfulness. That's the miracle. It's steadfastness with joyfulness. There's a miracle of God's grace. There's a supplying of God's sufficiency. And then it says this. So that after you have been approved or stood the test, It's like you go through a trial. You think of Paul himself. Paul is on his missionary journey. And at one point, he wanted to go one way and the Spirit forbade him. He tries to go another way. Holy Spirit said, no. And then he gets this Macedonian vision. Come over here and help us. And you follow the story. And he crosses over to Macedonia, comes to Philippi. And before long, Paul is beaten and he's in the inner prison at midnight, you think, oh my, whatever happened? I mean, thank you so much for that guidance. How wonderful to get prophetic visions. But what's he doing at midnight with his feet in the stocks? He says he's worshipping, celebrating, singing. He kind of stood the test. He he endured with joyfulness. There's this supernatural dimension. Stood the test. You find similar with Joseph. When I mean, Joseph's in prison uh, uh, and He's far from his brothers. The promise was that his brothers were bow down. He's in another country. He's so far away from the promises that God made him. Every step took him further away, made it seem impossible that he could ever see the promise fulfilled. And there he is in prison. And then a guy is thrown into prison with him, or two guys actually, and they say, we've had dreams. I think if I was Joseph, I'd say, yeah, I used to have dreams. Forget dreams. That's what put me in prison. I don't want to know about your dream. He doesn't. He says, tell me your dream. I think, well done, Joseph. You still believe. You still believe. And actually, just took one more dream from Pharaoh, and he got right through to God's purpose for him. He was on a journey into the purpose of God, and he did pass the test. He stood the test of trial. He kept believing when it all looked so dark. You still believing things God said to you? You think, "Wow, I don't know what's happening. You've got to keep trusting God. Look at David. David's being hounded by Saul. On one occasion, he finds, he stumbles on a cave, and Saul, the guy who's trying to kill him, is asleep in the cave. The guards are all asleep. The guys with David say, kill him. I mean, this is a God-given moment. It's obviously God's arranged. us kill him. And David says, no, no, no. I'm not going to touch the Lord's anointed. He is the anointed king. I'm not going to touch him. I, I mean, he passes the test. It's wonderful how these guys, they do go through quite serious trials and tests, but you see them passing the test. And that's what we've got here. It says, once you've been approved or passed the test, there is the crown of life. The crown of life. Now that's an interesting phrase. It's a bit mysterious. The New Testament talks about crowns in two different ways. One is kind of a royal crown worn by a king. But here, probably talking about that crown which athletes got, the kind of wreath that they put on their heads when they ran and won these Greek uh, athletic competitions and Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, run in a way to win. Everyone who competes in the games exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable crown or wreath. We do it to receive an imperishable one. Apparently the wreaths they got were made of celery leaves. I mean, talk about imperishable. Who needs it? But a, a crown... A imperishable crown, and so this language we'll find often in the New Testament about the promise of a crown. It says in uh, one uh, in Roman, uh, Revelation chapter two and verse ten, "Be faithful unto death; I will give you the crown of life." This promise of God's reward. Again, in one Corinthians and chapter two, verse nine, "No eye has seen, no ear heard." Or has it entered into the heart of man all that God has prepared for those who love him? There is a reward. There is something we're moving on towards. The gift and grace of God. The kindness of God that he is providing. That God is storing up for us. And so the word is saying to us now: that blessed is the man who endures trials. And this is a real trial, isn't it? I mean, some of us, you may have those who've passed away. Maybe some of you are wondering, what's gonna happen to me? Your job looks threatened. Maybe your business looks threatened. You I didn't expect this. I didn't sign up for this. But we're being told here, now look, there's a blessing in lining up with God, receiving things from his hand, believing him, trusting him through the trial, and expecting him to supply strength and power and ability To endure through, that we might prove Him absolutely faithful, and even count it joy, knowing that God's involved in this. I had the privilege once of uh, going to China, uh, and I met a guy called Alan Ewan, who'd been in prison as a pastor in China, and amazingly, he was he was taken from his family, his wife and six kids, and I could have identify a bit because we've had five. When he when was 44, 44 years old, he was taken. And he was in prison for 21 years. And his, his wife, uh, a number of godly men, uh, offered to marry her, to care for her, her six children. But she said, no, no, he could still be alive. I mean, she had no way of knowing, but she'd never heard that he was dead. And so she hung on. And when he was 65, I mean, 21 years, when he was 65, they threw him out. They thought, well, he's finished now. And I met him when I took, we were smuggling Bibles into China in those far off days. And uh, he came to the hotel we were staying in and, and told us something of his story. Because we asked him, we had the Bibles for him, but I said, please tell me about yourself. And I'd heard something of him. And he told, I mean, I, I shall never forget his radiant face. I mean, just a glorious guy. I remember he sat on the floor in our little hotel room and just, he was beaming up at us and, and told us this story. And I remember saying, saying to him, boy, you have endured so much. And he said, nothing compares with the cross. His radiant face, I'll never forget him. Yeah, back with his wife since he was 65. He's now about 82. And uh, they're together again and enjoying God's kindness. I got back to England. I think within a year or so, I read an article in a Christian magazine that he was under house arrest. He had baptized 400 people one day. I think, wow, they let him go when they thought he was finished. Now he was radiant. He really had stood the test and prove God faithful, and understood, no, no, I'm following someone else who has endured trials beyond our wildest dreams. We find also that James says, we count those blessed who endured. You've heard of the endurance of Job, and seen the outcome of the Lord's dealings with him. The Lord was full of compassion and merciful. The reality was that Job didn't know what was happening behind the scenes. Job's trials were horrific. But the story behind the scene is Satan challenging God and saying, oh yeah, this man. And God's proud of him. He says, have you considered my servant Job? And Satan says, touch him. He'll stop worshipping you. And he's kind of given permission to put this guy through real severe testing. A- and Job does brilliantly, really. But he has no idea that behind the scenes there's another battle raging. God is being glorified through the way he handles it. And here, that J- James is saying, look, look, God was with him. And actually, the end of the life of, of Job is one of triumph and joy and fulfillment. So this is our verse today. Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial, once he's stood the test or been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. This is a promise for those who love him. Maybe you're watching this morning and you're sitting next to your wife who loves the Lord. You don't yet even know the Lord. You're watching, see what this is all about trials are meaningless when you've got no story behind it the story for us is about one jesus who endured a trial of terrible cost he came from glory he came to the cross and at that moment he said must i drink this cup do i have to endure this and they said no no for this purpose came i to this hour glorify your name and he went right through for us and there was for him a great crown a great glory, resurrection morning a day when he began to receive the promises that God gave him I want to encourage you this morning God is at work God is changing lives God wants to bring us home mature yeah tests and trials will come our way but let's understand, God's at work. Let's receive the encouragement He wants us to receive. God be with you. Make sure you don't faint. Make sure you don't get bitter. Draw on the grace that He's so willing to give you. Let's trust Him and believe Him. He will bring us through for His glory. God be with you. You've been listening to a Woodside Church podcast. For more information, visit woodsidechurch.com.